Well, I wanted to get into my message. I'm not starting another series today. Uh, I wanted to just do what I'm going to call a one-off. Is it okay if we have a one-off sometimes? Knock it off. (laughs) I typically teach in series, which is usually a topic that will hit for three to five weeks, but there was just one that I wanted to get into today uh, that I thought was really important. Um, But I got to start by asking you a question before I can even tell you what we're talking about today. If you would just be brutally honest, okay, right here, right now in front of your family and friends, okay, how many of you would say, I'm having a bad day today? Okay, hey, we've got some hands going up. Okay, that's good. How many of you would say, I've had at least one bad day this week? Oh my, it's like an epidemic. It's an epidemic. What are we supposed to do? This is worse than COVID. Believe it or not, and I hope this encourages you as you look around the room, you know, we can often get caught up in this idea that we're the only ones that have the bad days. It really is everybody in the room. But I want to give you three words, and we're going to unpack every single thing that these three words mean over the next 30 minutes or so, but I want to give you three words that can radically change a bad day. Are you ready for them? Here they are. Not today, Satan. Three words that can radically change a bad day. Not today, Satan. All right, and we're going to unpack that here in a little bit. But first, I want to start by looking at what I'm going to call the science of a bad day. All right, because there is there are some things that bring on a bad day. There's internal and there are external things that happen to us that bring on a bad day. So let's let's look at the internal things first. Here, some things that could cause a bad day. Number one, lack of sleep. How many of you are, are just not very nice when you don't get enough sleep? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm married to some of you. I said that loud. Lack of sleep. You stayed up too late. You looked at too many videos because you were just certain that that next TikTok was going to change your life. I don't know why. You just kept going. Unmet expectations, right? This is an internal thing. I expected life to be this way or this situation to go this way. I expected a person to respond to me a certain way and it doesn't. We feel like we're having a bad day. Emotional distress. That sounds pretty serious, right? We, we've just, we're going through things and there's a continual barrage against our emotions. Uh, the feeling of being overwhelmed. How many of you just feel overwhelmed from being just too busy? Right? Three of you, that's good. Everybody else is lying. Um, we feel overwhelmed because we're so busy. And then lack of hope, you know, that just begins to rise up inside of us. So we had maybe times and situations, places, things that we hoped in, that hope is diminished. Now let's look at the external side of this. Negative circumstances, right? Bad things happen. Does it, is that a reality? There are some things that just happen, they're bad things. Unmet needs. This is where I come in, right? This is more of this external thing. An unmet need might be like you, have, you, you don't have any food to eat, right? You're going hungry. I'm telling you right now, if I'm hungry, I'm grumpy. That's why we try to in church right at noon. I need to eat. Uncom- uncontrollable situations. Here's the truth, and it's a hard thing for us to really fully understand and actually become comfortable with. You can't control everything and everyone, right? You might sit and daydream about it. I've said it many times. You know, if I was just in control, the whole world would be different, right? And some of you probably thought that same thing, but there are uncontrollable situations uh, that we are over-demanded and a lack of change. And this one I think is so incredible. Lack of change. You know, there are a lot of things that you can endure for a certain period of time, but lack of change is that moment where we cross the threshold of what I can endure for a certain period of time into a place where it's like, I can't take it anymore. There has to be some change. And 
And that can be in all kinds of different situations and circumstances. But I want to point you to something that was written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church. We're going to go Ephesians chapter 6. So you can turn there in your own Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the pews that are right in front of you. It's that black book. If you don't know where the book of Ephesians is, it is page 908 is where we're going this morning. And you can also follow along on the screens as we read together. But Paul gives an instruction about some of the bad days that we face. And we're going to really unpack this today so that we can truly change our situations with those three words, not today, Satan. All right? So here's what he says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. He says, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I want to say that one more time because this is a crucial point this morning. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul starts by unpacking this idea that there is an unseen world that we're living in. There is an unseen world. You can't see it with your physical eyes. You can't hear it with your physical ears. And you can't speak to it with your physical mouth. It is going on outside of you because it's something happening in the spirit while we live in the physical. And he says, listen, the battles of your life, the struggles of your life, the things that frustrate you to no end, that cause you to lose sleep, to lose hope, that you're you're just at your limit, those things we so often look at and we put a name to it, right? It's my coworker. It's my spouse. It's my neighbor. It's my whatever and we just throw out all these things and we put a name and a face to all of it and Paul says this our battles are not against flesh and blood but against powers of darkness in an unseen world that we cannot perceive with our eyes there's an unseen world of things that is taking place outside of this that if we don't acknowledge we can spend the rest of our lives fighting everything in the physical, losing every day, and feeling frustrated. How many of you want to lose every day? Yeah, I don't really want to lose every day. Not today, Satan. All right? This is what we're going to lean into. Not today, Satan. So here's what I want to look at. There are some spiritual factors to a bad day that I want to point your attention to, okay? So just a couple of them here. There's uh, six that I wrote down. And here are some things that might affect you in a spiritual sense to cause you to have a bad day. Ready? Lack of intimacy with God. That's huge. Okay, we just got to start right there. Being able to have time and connection with God is crucial to your ability to withstand all of the struggles that you face in the physical world that are coming out, or in the spiritual world that are coming out in your physical world. Low understanding of biblical promises. Meaning you don't know enough of the Bible to know what God says or what, how it applies to your life. Misunderstanding the biblical promises. Meaning, well, I thought that when God said this, that meant that it's supposed to you know, rain gumdrops and rainbows would cover my life every single day of my life. I don't believe in struggling. I don't believe in this. Misunderstanding. Diminished belief in biblical promises. Here's the truth. There are times that we get into situations and the very first time we read the Bible and the Bible says this, we go, oh, well, that's what it is. But then life starts to hit us a little bit and we start to question, is the Bible true? Is what God says true? Are the promises real? Are they for me? Have I somehow excluded myself? Loneliness in your spiritual journey. This is a huge factor. Loneliness is a huge factor. Uh, Can I tell you, how many of you have ever watched like the Discovery Channel before? 
right? And the lion's out on the prairie and he's hunting, right? And for whatever reason, the guy who's doing the voiceover always has an accent, all right? And he's like, look at the wildebeest. <laughs> Off by himself. He's barely limping along. He looks haggard. I think he's going to die soon. Oh, there comes the lion. Now, here's the reality. We look at that on the thing and we're like, no, go back with the herd. Get back with the... That's just what happens at my house, right? The exact same thing happens in the spirit. We become isolated. We become lonely. And we become off in, in some left field by ourselves where we're open to attack. And really what we need is to get back with the rest of the herd. Because if we were back in with the rest of the herd, we would have a lot more, free, a lot more uh, protection. Satan is not going to attack you in church this morning. It's very unlikely that he's going to attack you in church this morning. He's probably going to wait to attack you until like Thursday night around 1130 at night when you're by yourself and nobody else is around and you don't have anybody else to tell you anything. And that's when this last thing, these spiritual attacks will come in into our lives. Now here, I got to speak to this as a, as a reality first because statistically... There are 33% of you in the room who do not believe in a physical hell or Satan. Those are the statistics that only 67% of evangelical Christians believe there is a hell and a Satan. Please let me speak this to you. This was not something the church made up for control. It was not something that they made up to scare people. It is a reality that Paul speaks to about this unseen world. And if we don't take it seriously, we never get the victories that we want to see. We just keep fighting flesh and blood, fighting flesh and blood everywhere that we go. But there's hope here, okay? Because Paul's about to lay out for us, here's what you can do. You're not defenseless in this. I want to give you the things that you can do to help you be prepared for these attacks and these battles. It says, therefore, in verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I want to speak to this because there's an unseen purpose behind everything that is happening in this armor. Because he's not just saying, hey, it'd be cool to sound like we're going to war and armor has to represent certain things. No, he's saying there are certain vulnerabilities that you as a follower of Christ, that you as a person, a living, breathing human being, you have some vulnerabilities that Satan's going to exploit, but God has given you the ability to overcome them. And I want to warn, I want to give you those, those pieces of armor to protect yourself. So number one is this belt of truth. Now, I don't know about you. I am grateful for belts. They keep our pants up. That's important. However, this is not what they are talking about. This is going to startle some of you because when we're thinking of armor, you're probably thinking medieval armor, a shining knight, right? And he's got a lance or a sword and a shield and a mask and all this stuff. You are 700 years too late. Okay. Go back further. These guys, they were wearing tunics which is just a flowy robe, okay? Now, here's what the belt represents for somebody who's going into war. Now, when you're living in the Middle East, it's a good thing to have some flowy clothes that can breathe, right? You, want, you don't want it too tight to your body. You want to be able to breathe. But 
imagine trying to fight and do your best karate while you got 15 robes on you that are flying all over, going over your face and everything else, okay? So the first thing they did to prepare for battle was to get a belt to get all that extra flowy stuff cinched up tight so that it could move without being restrictive. This is the truth. And he says, listen, here's why. Because the enemy's gonna bring lies. Listen, John 8, 44, Jesus says this about Satan. He says, he is the father of lies In fact, when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue, which is lying. That's his native tongue. That's the tongue of his origin is lying. And he will lie to you time and time again. And here's the thing. He does this regularly. If if anything, it's one of the greatest weapons that he uses against God's people. But we have truth to combat that lie. But we'll get to that in a little bit here. Then he says righteousness to to stop sin's destruction to your heart. Back in this time, they wore something, this isn't a fun word, you might need, need this on Final Jeopardy one day, all right? Cardiophylax, all right? Cardiophylax is what he's talking about here, and what that means is literally this, heart plate. Round piece of plate that just goes over the heart. Because here's the thing, they didn't know a whole lot about anatomy back then, but they were like, hey, we noticed that when you get stabbed in this area, it's serious, You can get stabbed here and here and here, but here it's bad. So we need to put a plate over that, okay, to cover the heart. And this is why Paul's speaking to this because he goes, the heart is most vulnerable to sin's destruction, the hardness of our hearts that we have to protect. And we do that through God's righteousness and godly living, peace that overcomes our circumstances and our troubles, a perspective shift that sees everything else in the world and says, I've got the peace of God because I'm looking at the spirit and not the physical faith to stop the continual attacks of the enemy i gotta speak to this for a second if you have never in your life i promise you you will experience a crisis of faith you will experience a moment if you have not already and even if you have you probably will again you will experience moments where you had an absolute faith that you believed in and held strongly to, but it got attacked and beat up so much that it caused you to start questioning things about yourself and God. It's called a crisis of faith. In fact, we're seeing this on a mass level today and in, in among pastors who talk to each other and theologians and all this stuff. They call this the deconstructive movement of the church. Christians are dismantling their faith. It's deconstructing it because they're like, well, I don't know if I believe this and I don't know if I believe that and, I don't, and if I don't believe this, how can I believe that? And it's all coming down. This faith that he gives us is what we look at in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it's not a faith that we see with our eyes, that we hear with our ears, that we can perceive in the physical. It is a faith in the things that we hope for to become realities. And he said, it is this hope in the promises of God that we hold up so that when the enemy is bringing that barrage of attacks against me, I hold up my faith and I say, I trust in Jesus. I want to keep going here. Salvation, this helmet, he says, to protect your mind because God is constantly renewing the thoughts of our minds. We don't think like the world. We don't reason like the world. We're supposed to think like the people of God. And then lastly, I love this one. Because while the last five have been all about defense, this is the moment where he says, I want to give you something to go on offense. I want to give you a sword, all right? I want to give you a sword to counter the attacks of the enemy. And you know what that sword is? It's that little black book sitting right in front of you in the pew. It is the Bible, the word of God, the scriptures of God. And here's why. 
Here's what we so often do. We get our shield of faith, we hold it up, and we just sit back and we just take beating after beating after beating. Satan throws thing after thing after thing after thing at us, and we're just hoping to weather it. The Bible says that if I just stand firm, I'll keep standing and I'll survive the battle. I just gotta wait, I gotta wait. The armor of God is equipped with something that takes us beyond this waiting, cowering moment to a place of standing up with an audacity to attack the enemy back. And you know how you do that? With scripture, with worship. And you start to wield those things. Satan says, oh, your past, you'll never overcome your past. You've done too many things in your life. You've made too many mistakes. You just whip out some scripture and you go, you know what? The Bible says I am a new creation in Christ and the old things have passed away and the new has come. It doesn't matter what my past looks like. I am a child of God. You just whip that sword around. You're like, shut it. Not today, Satan. Not today. You tell, he tries to tell you, you're, not gonna, you're, gonna, you're the loser. Your family's a, a history of losers, and you're going to lose, and you're going to continue to lose. And you just whip out, you know what the Bible tells me? That I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Not today, Satan. That's your sword. Right? And God has given us that ability to wield that around and to begin to go after the enemy and to conquer these unseen purposes. But I want us to see this because it's so important. I want to finish looking at this last section here is this reality of what, what we're up against. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, he says this. Stay alert. What's that mean? Don't go to sleep. Don't take a nap. Don't shut your eyes. Don't turn your back. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Well, it's not exactly like my suffering. It's all spiritual attack. It's not names and faces and peoples and places. It's the unseen world. And he says, this is what's happening to you. You're being beaten up in a world that you can't see with your eyes and you keep trying to fight it in the physical, but in doing so, you're just messing yourself up because this roaring lion is looking to devour somebody. I went to the Pittsburgh Zoo a few years ago, my family, and it was right around like feeding time for the lions. And this lion must have been hungry. I don't even know. We're walking around. You can hear this lion. I mean, it is like, I can't even come close to mimicking this. I sound like a cat. He is roaring, right? And there are two thoughts that just occurred to me because it's like echoing through the entire zoo. And I'm like, man, that lion must be hungry. And the second thought I had was, I am glad he's in a cage because I bet I'd be a good meal. Maybe I didn't think that second part, I don't know. I'm glad he's in a cage. Church, the enemy that we face is not caged. He is loosed in this world. And he's roaring and he's prowling around and he's looking for ways and opportunities and times and places of your most vulnerable moments to just come in and attack you. And if for long as we don't put on the armor of God and get ready to be defending these attacks and then offending the enemy, we just keep taking the beating. Bad day after bad day, after bad season, after bad month, after bad year, after bad this. We're just taking the beating. 
And I love what it says in James 4. And this is so important for us, church. A promise that you can wield with your sword when the enemy comes against you. James 4, verses 7 and 8 says this. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Resist the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you know what fleeing means? He will run away from you like the coward that he is. You get on your armor and you get out your sword and when you are defenseless, when you are weak, he just wants to come up and pick at you and pick at you and pick at you. But the moment you become equipped with the things that God has for you to do battle in the spirit, that coward turns and runs for his life. God has given that to you. It's not a name, it's not a face, it's not a place, it's not a people, it's not a group, it's not your workplace, your boss, it's not your co-workers, your neighbors, your family members, your spouse, your children. We're putting all these names and faces on these things and never once addressing what's going on in the spirit. And church, we have to come to the place of standing up and saying, not today, Satan. Not today. Because there's an unseen threat that is lurking around every day. There's an unseen threat that's coming for your family. There is an unseen threat that's coming for your marriage. There is an unseen threat that's coming for your health. And it's coming for your grandkids. And it's coming for your community. And it's coming for your neighbors. And it's coming for the kids and life kids right now. There is an unseen threat that is coming. But if there would just be a couple people, or dare to believe all of us, who would stand up, covered in the armor of God and holding the sword and saying, not today, Satan. Not my kids. Not my marriage. Not my family. Not my community. Not my neighborhood. Not my state. Not my country. Not today, Satan. I am equipped to defeat you. You are nothing but a coward who lies and cheats and steals, but I have been filled with the abundant life and hope of Jesus Christ. Church, we just keep looking at the physical. Oh, it's an election year. We better make sure we vote the right president in. No, we better start getting armed up with the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit. I'm not putting my hope in in one more man to stand in a white house and tell me that everything's going to be fine. I'm going to put my hope in a man who hung on a cross and rose from the dead and came back to bring victory for me and my family. And he said, I've given you the tools to win. But what do we do? We back ourselves into a corner because he's lying. He's cheating. He's stealing. He's hitting me. He's hitting me. He's hitting me. He's hitting me. Get your sword out and send him running. Spend some time. You want to say not today, Satan? You're not going to say it with your mouth. Get up and read the Bible. That says not today, Satan. Get up and get on your knees and pray. That says not today, Satan. On your car ride, instead of putting on some talk show about how bad the stealers are and how whatever... Put on some worship music and say, not today, Satan. Get your kids together and pray with them and say, not today, Satan. You and your spouse, get together and pray and say, not today, Satan. 
Church, we, we're just letting it happen. We're just ignoring it. We're saying, oh, it's all the physical. It's a physical. It's the government. It's my neighbors. It's my worker, co-workers. It's my boss. It's my spouse. It's my kids. It's this community. It's this world. It's this world. It is the unseen world of spiritual darkness that we need to defeat and destroy and send the enemy running away like the coward that he is. And we won't do it if we don't become equipped with the things that God's given us. Church, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Because you were not meant to be the tail who's running away. You were meant to be the conqueror in Christ Jesus. You shouldn't fear Satan at all. Can I tell you that? You should not for one second fear Satan. Oh, what if he attacks my family? What if he attacks... You should not fear him for one second because you have this promise, this sword that you can get out and send him flying and say... If I resist the enemy, he will flee from me. I've got the power of God in me. I love this image that he says, draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. We have a few kids in this church who they like to like run up and poke me. I just must seem pokeable. I don't know. I had somebody else after first service, an older gentleman who poked me and then ran behind his son. It's getting out of control. Well, here's the thing that I often see, right? One of these kids will run up and they'll poke me and I'll turn around and act like I'm going to chase them. You know what they do? They run back and hide behind mom and dad because they're safe there. You can't get me. I got my daddy. I got my mommy. Church, that's exactly what he's talking about. He says, draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. You want to resist the devil and you want to send him running and flying? Go hide behind your daddy. Because he's afraid of him. Ain't nobody as big as my daddy. Nobody's coming who's going to defeat my daddy. I'm safe here. I'm protected here. Because my daddy's bigger than your daddy. And he's going to whoop your daddy's butt. Go get behind Jesus. Run to the place where you're going to find it. Church, we need intimacy with God. We need the word of God. There are choices that you make. I can't just tap you on the head and be like, be endowed with the armor of God. You're good to go now. You got to get up tomorrow and you've got to put it on. You got to go home today and you got to put it on. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to choose this and I'm going to say, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. And I'm going to have to do it on Monday and I'm going to have to do it on Tuesday and probably Friday and Saturday and next Sunday and the following Thursday. And oh, if, if I'm going to live for another 40 years, it'll be every day for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to have to put the armor on. I'm going to have to say, not today, Satan. And I'm going to go through difficult seasons. Maybe there'll be difficulty with my relationships with my children, a relationship with my spouse, a relationship with a neighbor. I'm going to have to get up and say, not today, Satan. You don't get the victory because this is not about a battle with flesh and blood. And I'm calling out the powers of darkness that I can speak to with the power of God. And I'm going to say not today. Church, somebody's got to get bold enough. Somebody's got to get bold enough. God's given you everything that you need. Somebody's just got to stand firm and say, not today, Satan. It's not happening. We're going to take a moment here and we're going to